We're through the Oogie Loves here, people. We discuss food fight. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey Dan, hey. how's it going? <laughs> no, what's going wait, on, man? You, you, what, you beat me. I'm mean, doing it. Introducing myself to you two guys. I'm Look, Stuart, you snossed and you lost. Okay. <laughs> All the way from Leffert's Place, Brooklyn. This is no, Flop House. What? That is too detailed. All the way from Brooklyn, it's Flop the House? Flop House. Flop House Studio, featuring Dan McCoy as Dan Stu- McCoy, Stuart Wellington as Stuart. The man, Wellington. And Elliot Kalin. As himself. <laughs> With musical guest. The Captain and <laughs> And now here's your host. Dan McCoy. <laughs> it, wait, we didn't do that silly. Hello? <laughs> no. So it's Dan, me, yeah. Dan McCoy. No, you gotta do a monologue. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, We've guys, got the Captain and Tennille. You guys see this in the news? Um, <laughs> Have you ever seen Saturday Night Live? <laughs> They don't have that kind of monologue. <laughs> okay. It's great to be here. Uh, the Captain Tennille. Uh, I'm here promoting my movie, of course, uh, Food Fight. Um, is that the movie? Okay, so what do we do on this podcast? Okay. This is a movie, this podcast. <laughs> this is a movie that we podcast. <laughs> this is a, movie. a bad movie. Every week, I mess it up. Every two weeks. I partly blame you guys. Uh, uh, weird. Yeah, because okay. we go into your brain and okay. step around and little <laughs> little set, boots on. I think it's time we have accepted me. I think it's time we have a little rap session here, okay, guys. Okay, and sure. we're rapping. Real talk for we're you. We're rapping about a podcast. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> called the Flophouse Podcast. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And we're about to put in your earballs a little story about <laughs> hey. a shitty movie that we just watched. Hey, yeah. Okay. And what was the name of that <laughs> this movie is a we just watched? All about how Food our Fight. life got flipped, turned upside down by watching a movie called Food Fight. Food Fight. Well, maybe you've heard of it. Food Fight is the. No, Worst movie ever made. It. <laughs> it's become something of a minor internet sensation. Yeah. Uh, in that it's been mentioned on the internet before. This is yeah. a uh, a surprisingly high budgeted animated film, uh, starring over sixty million dollars. Is that what? Uh, a sixty five million dollar budget. Oh boy. And the sky was dark, for all the stars <laughs> were in food fight. And by stars, actually, there's a pretty big cast, yeah. and also you got uh, Charlie Sheen, you got Hillary Duff, you got your Eva Longoria. Here's the here's Cloris Leachman. Who else is in it? Christopher Lloyd, Ed Asner, uh, Jerry Stiller, Ed Asner. Did you say Eva Longoria? I did say Larry Miller, Wayne Brady. Hot off of the success of Oogie Loves comes Christopher Lloyd <laughs> and Cloris Leachman back again. Yeah, hot off the success of Delgo comes Chris Kattan. <laughs> hot off the success of whatever Hillary Duff does is Hillary Duff. <laughs> yeah, I mean she She's does animated shit, right? She should be uh, a young. Well, she has a lady? digestive disease and she poops animation. <laughs> <laughs> when Stewart says she does animated shit, he's actually right, but it's a serious disorder. Oh, he's picking apart every word. Yeah, I said. yep, I did. I better watch out. It's called animated bowel syndrome and it's a real danger <laughs> abs is nothing to joke about so anyway this is a movie with a huge budget huge cast and some of the uh worst animation in the history oh, of animation boy. this is a if anyone oh. if anyone listening remembers the uh, saturday morning cartoon show and reboot yeah it was a show called reboot it was all computer generated because it took place place inside a computer 
At the time, it was kind of impressive, but now it looks really cheap. It looks like this movie, Food Fight, was made 25 years before reboot. Yeah. The 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 inexplicable nature of the animation and the frenetic nature of the animation, I likened it to, if you've ever seen a Ralph Bakshi movie, there's always something crazy going on in the corner of the screen. Now imagine that's the main thing that's happening in the movie. Now imagine that was animated with the program that came with your PC, yeah. and it was done by like your seven-year-old nephew with about ten minutes notice. Well, half of it was done by your seven your your seven-year-old nephew. Half it is done by the guys who do like three D animated porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of female characters. Well, there's two female characters in this who look like inappropriately sexy look, are ridiculously inappropriately sexy to the point that like the villainess who's evil on great as the voice of who's supposed to be the sexy bad villain mm-hmm. like the the different the two different cheeks of her butt are sculpted <laughs> so that when she's wearing cl- like a dress you, you can still see, them see fully through the dress like her d- butt <laughs> cheeks moving independently of each other and then later which on sounds like impressive animation but it's not and then later on she shows up for no reason, in thigh highs and a Catholic schoolgirl dress. Yeah, it's a regular purge. So mm-hmm. anyway, so, but uh, this is a movie that uh, it's it was has an interesting history in that they poured a lot of money into it, and they figured they'd get a lot of money back because it takes place in a supermarket after dark when the products come to life. After dark? Mm-hmm. Only uh, the freaks <laughs> come out at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So they have all these characters in the background who are product placement characters there's like all these mascots your Mr. charlie's clean, tuna charlie tuna you got your mr uh, clean your mr <laughs> <laughs> you your hawaiian mrs. butterworth your mrs butterworth your, your hawaiian punch guy charlie you've got the your same as punchy yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> you've got Come your on. and then you've got the ones Show that the i'm not deserves. sure actually belong to real products like your flatulent foreign <laughs> legion french cheese your frog with a crown yeah your uh, moose your, waiter <laughs> Your weasel that looks like a scrotum with two turkey legs attached to him. There's the uh, the offensive anti-Semitic giant nose guy. I'm not even sure what his product was. He seemed to have a nose-based business where he smelled things for a living. I mean, yeah. he wasn't that anti-Semitic, though. I just think he, he was he I mean, was he Jewish was a doctor. Right? I mean, what do you want? No, he basically was like, this, what I can do for you is this. This is all I can offer you. For you, half price. Ten dollars. Like, uh... Pay but, no attention to my giant nose. But the hero of the movie, played by Charlie Sheen, and by played, I mean that he seems to have spoken his lines. Showed he, up in a bathrobe. <laughs> it's almost like they handed him a portable tape recorder and they said, just say these whenever. So he did them when he was, like, <laughs> tired and about to take a nap or when he was yeah. sitting on the toilet commuting. and bored. Commuting. Yeah. And the, the so dog he, detective. He plays the character. Not McGruff. That's his, that's the his, most that's famous his last dog detective. Name, he plays the character Dex Dog Detective. <laughs> yeah. And that is his name. Dex Dog Detective, who has a human body but a dog's head. And he yep. dresses like Indiana Jones in some parts and like Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca in other parts. Yeah, Just you're, like your two most famous uh, cinematic Nazi adventurers, uh, Nazi anti-Nazi people, which will come into play they later. They come into play later when they fight the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so he is the hero adventurer of. What's it called? Food Town or some shit? I don't it's a know. supermarket. It's a grocery store. When the lights go out, the supermarket is transformed into a whole town that has like Where fields and a seen river. Something like this before. It's almost like somebody heard the idea of Toy Story, <laughs> then got hit in the head with like an I beam. <laughs> And then, it like, like mumbled this while they were in surgery because they didn't give them enough anesthetic to keep them under. You know what children love? 
They love the grocery store, and more than that, they love the cast of characters that, <laughs> that you find. the well, grocery store. It opens with this elderly grocer shutting down the store for the night, and as the lights go out, there's this plaintive music <laughs> as if, like, well, the fun's over for the day. <laughs> the the I carnival's guess... <laughs> leaving town for another year. <laughs> this world of magic and whimsy that is a food store. <laughs> this is preceded, by the way, by not even a real title screen. There's just like an animated thing that says Food Fight, just like a DVD menu screen. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks like the production company's named Food Fight. <laughs> it looks like Food Fight Productions made this title-less movie. <laughs> But uh, So they're shutting down the supermarket with a wistful air because, like you're saying, the circus tents are coming down. The roustabouts are packing it all up. The all food, good things must come to an the end. The food clowns are taking their makeup off. The ground is salted with the tears of the children who've had to leave. Yeah, the ball team is packing up their lockers for the last grocery store game of the season. It is... It's so stu- it's already all has this wistful feeling for something no one has any emotional connection mm-hmm. to, which is lights- shopping for groceries. <laughs> then the lights go down and the lights come back up, and unlike Toy Story, which uh, takes creates, place in the real world, yeah, it creates magic out of the things that we see every day. Is that because we've sl- slipped into another dimension? I don't, well, where that's the thing. Like, alive? It the seems grocery like- store has transformed into an entirely different place where there's like. Like churches, like what was? There's like a there's like a there's like a a Russian Orthodox church, a field. (laughs) There's an Empire State Building or a Chrysler Building or something. There's like there's all. It seems like it's this kind of probably a Jewish temple because of the since there's so many many Jewish characters. Let me just reveal at the end that nightclub and it's revealed at the end that Dex Dog Detective is Jewish. (laughs) <laughs> Which makes no sense. Because Dogtective is he not a Jewish wears a hat, name. Well, they changed it at Ellis Island from Dogtectowitz. <laughs> but uh, he uh, well, he does always wear a hat that's true. That Now I understand. Because he's showing his humility before Yahweh. <laughs> mm. show, sorry, I should have said uh, Adonai. But anyway, that's besides <clears throat> the point. Sorry. Hashem. Let's just call him Hashem, <laughs> shall we? That's the proper Jewish name for him. But uh, the... So it's the I think it's like a pocket universe that all grocery stores lead to because when a food product icon and they're called Ikes in it and when you that have Nazi characters when you have Nazi characters running around saying kill all the Ikes <laughs> it's a little too close to the actual slur for Jewish people like it's weird I didn't expect to be watching this animated movie about uh, food mascots coming to life at night and feel like a palpable <laughs> feeling of anti-Semitism yeah. <laughs> like kill all the yods. All oh, those <laughs> terrible yods. They're called jaws because people eat them with their mouths. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Put them on the food train. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm sorry. Oh, man. That was too much. I apologize. Too far. Can you apologize? Ellie? On behalf of the makers of Food Fight. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we haven't even gotten into the plot of this thing. Yeah. Dex Dog Detective is the adventurer who keeps... Food Town, let's just call it safe, even though that's the name of a real grocery store sure. chain. Uh, he's in love with a cat named... Su- no, not a cat. Cat. He's in love with Put a, with a human up. woman with cat ears and, named... And like like makeup that looks like whiskers, basically. And named Sunshine Goodness, mm-hmm. who is the mascot for a raisin company. That's weird. And Dex Dog Tech has an uncomfortable number of almost upskirts. Constantly. Yeah. And yep. I think one of you guys was saying she's like the beginner figure for trying to get a guy into being a furry. Yeah, like, totally. Oh, she's just like a sexy woman with like cat ears. That's nothing. Yeah, then a few years later you're like, oh man, this picture of a cat next to a picture of a human <laughs> vagina is doing it for me. <laughs> like, what have I become? And it all started with with sunshine goodness. But the weirdest thing is later on they show a picture of the product that she is the, the 
Ike for. Yeah. And there's not, nothing. I'm not comfortable with that term. I can use the term Ike. <laughs> okay. Uh, icon, is that okay? Do yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the, uh, and she, there's nothing cat like about her on the box. No, yeah. She yeah, just looks it's, like a it's human almost woman. like she adopts that in order to, I guess, be. Fit in with the animals. Can so I just fit well, in so with this dog? Wait, hold on. So it's a little bit this less weird that she's, that that she's in love <laughs> with this Anubis jackal headed god. It is true that when you die, Dex Dog Detective weighs your heart against a feather. Can I just <laughs> see if you'll make it into heaven? Take a sidebar here. While oh. you're talking about the product that uh, Sunshine is uh, the, the Ike for, uh, can I, I. Again. <laughs> I mean, we have to keep saying it. But... Can I just uh, point out? Um, I looked on IMDb, the one piece of trivia for Food Fight, or not not trivia, actually, onto the goof section. The one goof. Otherwise, a Because otherwise, move. flawless. <laughs> Ninety nine percent. The one goof that I am. This takes it down from an A plus 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 plus. Just an A plus plus plus. That they list is Dex Dogtective's love sunshine is supposedly the face of a raisin and she brand. Keeps, she keeps throwing. <laughs> she keeps supposedly. It won't even take the movie at face value. Supposedly the face of a raisin brand. And she keeps throwing raisins at Dex yeah. that he eats and occasionally gives Dex a dog raisins. <laughs> It is a well-known fact that raisins are toxic to dogs. <laughs> so that is the one goof in Food Fight. Uh, but anyway, so Dex Dog Detective is in love with Sunshine Goodness. He also has a best friend named Dan Daring or something like that. Yeah, some, I mean, Dan is, Daring is a, is a combo character, but, but uh, he's, his a, name like, like, like Danger Dan. Danger Dan or Dynamic Dan or something. He's a squirrel he, that looks like a monkey, which is significant <laughs> because he is a racist black He's, he's Wayne Brady playing a black character, and it's weird because he must be the mascot for like a chocolate product, which we a, never yeah. see because he's constantly making chocolate puns. When he talks to women, he's like, oh, I want to put some chocolate frosting on your cake. Yeah, like, he wants to ejaculate and they refer, chocolate on Later when he meets chocolate chips at one he, point. He cries chocolate which must hurt like hell. Oh, the yeah. chocolate chips coming out of your teeter ducts, just tearing through <laughs> just, the mucus yeah, membrane. Pushing them out. But, uh, and also later, and this will make more sense at the time, no it won't, when he meets a blind elderly gay bat, <laughs> the, the bat keeps sniffing going, mmm, chocolate, well, you, they, you, sound, you smell delicious. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, so Dex Detective's in love with Sunshine Goodness. He wants to propose marriage to her, but because Who wouldn't? because his friend Dan. Uh, oh, this is after he saved Food Town from a character called the Fat Cat Burglar, who is clearly a rat, <laughs> who has a a bunch of sidekicks who are kung fu guinea pigs. Yeah, and this never comes back in, into play, other than establishing Dex Dog Detective well, the kung fu as guinea, an adventurer. The king, the yeah. kung fu guinea pigs show up a lot. They show up, but like. This, this is like the yeah, equivalent of the beginning exploding. of a James Bond movie where yes. he has an unrelated adventure. This is just to show us that Dex is indeed not just named Dog Detective, but is a real dog So tech. you're saying that the director knows his stuff. He's yeah, got his he's chops. A fucking he's made his bones. <laughs> he's a Spielberg. <laughs> no dog pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, this is just like Tintin. <laughs> yeah. So Tintin. Tan- <laughs> so Tauntaun. He's a real Tantan. <laughs> the Adventures of Tauntaun. <laughs> is that an old lady saying? <laughs> That's oh, called Tan I love That's that Tan Tan and Snowy. That Tan Tan is so fun. <laughs> Those two French brothers who are police or something, the old sea captain. I just love that Tan Tan. There's mysteries in the Russia or China or the moon. Looking He's for a treasure. I always hope he finds enough treasure. So we can retire because it's such a dangerous, dangerous career being a boy reporter. I say it's so hot. 
It's hot out today, I must say. Makes her body feel like just lying around and reading some tan tan. <laughs> More another mint julep and another tan tan, please. This is now my most favorite character that exists in the world. The old southern this old lady, tan tan. This old lady who doesn't exist. An old lady southern southern who loves tan tan. I just love the clean art style of her hay. <laughs> of her Jay. He's my favorite Belgian cartoonist, although they're all so good. I used to say there, there's nothing came, good came out of Belgian but them waffles, but I was wrong. I was wrong. There's that clean line art style and that adorable bar detective, a reporter. I'm sorry, it's so hot today. <laughs> I should anyway, in this tauntaun carcass. <laughs> anyway, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I shouldn't. I shouldn't keep you anymore. I know you got a lot of uh, mail to deliver, but I just you get me talking about Tintin. I can't. <laughs> we get stop. so few mail callers around these parts, <laughs> and my husband's all cold to me these days in his old age. Why don't you set a while? I'll read you some Tintin. See where things go. It's Tennessee Williams. It's Tin Tennessee Williams. That's what it is. It's cat on a hot tin tin roof. Cat on a hot tin tin roof. Stuart got him and left. Oh, man. I don't care. It led to this beautiful moment. Tin Tennessee Williams cat on a hot tin tin roof. Uh, tan tan roof. Tan tan roof. Well, I'm not. I don't have a southern accent. The character does. Sure. It's like when people say enchilada, and they don't have a Spanish accent. Yeah, it's like when any Spanish character, or I guess Mexican, I don't know, character in Cuban, maybe character on Dexter, who uh, anytime <laughs> they say anything in Spanish, they're like, "Oh, you're feeling sick? How about I make you my sopa de pollo?" <laughs> yeah, they just they accent the hell out of it. But oh, anyway, boy. so the. So, <laughs> I don't know. Into, oh yeah, so he's an adventurer. He's a dog detective. He's in love with this girl, but he's he's about to propose to her. But then his friend crashes his biplane because, of course, he's a squirrel. He has a biplane and distracts them. Yeah, while his Italian moose buddy was setting up a nice dinner for him. And in all the bedlam, is that when Sunshine Goodness disappears? She disappears, and then there's the most surprising <laughs> flash a, forward since a, the Bratz movie. There's a title card that just says six months later. So we're dealing with a character whose girlfriend is missing for half a year. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the w- woman he loves. Like vanishing. And his, his response to that, he hasn't been able to find her, so he quits being a dog detective and becomes a club, club owner mm-hmm. of the, of the uh, it's called, what, Casa Banana? Yeah, yeah. And from now on, it's a lot of it is a Casablanca shitty parody about mascot food products. Yeah, because there are two things that kids love. It's branded food products in Casablanca. <laughs> and, and movies from before their parents were born. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, uh, yeah. So it's... What's going? On? Oh, this. So I don't he, has, even know. he runs this club, the Casa Banana. All the food. It's everybody comes to Dex's. Yeah. That's what it Including is. Including a, a sexy, I guess, human lady. A sexy oh, human the... lady who uh, is clearly evil from the first moment she shows up. I don't remember her name. Voiced by Ava Longoria. So also still evil. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> evil Longoria? <laughs> as she's known. But uh, yeah, in the in the real world, in the non. 
branded supermarket world. Wait, uh, yeah, a yeah. Real Meanwhile, world? in the real Chris, Christopher Lloyd <laughs> lurches into the grocery store. Yeah, in the grocery store uh, that we saw close up earlier, wistfully because all the dreams had gone to sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy lurches in with his henchmen, and he's repla- he's forcibly replacing all of the store's products with something called Brand X, and he. Literally lurches around like it's a the most, spastic it, it, monster. Jerky. <laughs> it has all the drama if in just a normal play or movie you had one of the monsters from the Mighty Morphing Power Rangers just wander <laughs> on the set. <laughs> it's like that level of subtlety. He's yeah. got a huge head and crazy googly eyes. And it's not even like it's herky-jerky animation. It's like they no, he's, anim- like, he's palsied. Yeah, they animated this character to have a palsy of some sort where he can't control his bodily movements. And his pupils are pointing in random directions. And it's Christopher Lloyd, so like, you know, you feel yeah. bad already. It's Mr. Crazy. <laughs> it's Mr. Crazy. Uh, a lot, yeah, there's been a that lot was of his wrestling ever name. since, like, Suburban Commando. I've been feeling kind of bad. Um, so anyway, <laughs> well, that's Great a different actor. issue. Yeah. But uh, so... They're replacing everything with Brand X, even though the old man doesn't really want to. And so it turns out. But let's 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 take let's slow down a moment to clarify. We're going pretty this, slow. This is a movie. We took a lot of time out for a cat on a hot tin I mean, roof. But this is a movie <laughs> where <laughs> the heroes are name brands, yeah, and the villain is the generic brand. So yeah, the the villain this is, is a the very pro capitalist pro big business. The villain is the what we'd have to assume is the cost effective budget brand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's strange for this movie to take a big business stance since it made so little money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Since really this was an independent film. It was a passion project. <laughs> One has to assume. Yeah, he was so in love with the idea of a dog having sex with a cat woman. <laughs> That that, he, you think that that was why this movie was made? Some one guy had a fetish, and he's like, "Oh, I got to figure out a way." To- I assume he saw an animation online on like YouPorn or something yeah. of like an animated lady having sex with an animated dog man, and he was like, "There's a kids movie in this." <laughs> and if over can- time, they whittled down the sex scenes <laughs> and turned it just into action scenes where food is thrown at people. If I can figure out a way to put a ton of product placement into this, we can finance the biggest sex fetish animated be- movie, <laughs> the biggest budget furry porn. <laughs> ever made so anyway uh so christopher lloyd's crazy palsied man is replacing everything this lady has come in and she tries to seduce dex dog detective but instead uh suddenly ikes are being found dead in the streets and they literally have sheets over them like they're dead and that when you when you don't when a mascot dies his product disappears i guess yeah. through some sort of interdimensional mascot magic i still don't get so the person like the the person's dead what does the product have? What what does that matter to them? Because there's a kind of spiritual link between the two. So a mascot the same does well that, if like they their product sells well. Like I guess they so. Get yeah, stronger or they have get, more money. I think that it's universe. Imagine that the product is, the mascot is Elliot and the product is ET. Okay. And they have a mental link so that like if one of them sees John Wayne kissing in the Quiet Man, the other one kisses. When, like, a pr- mascot gets drunk, his product is lurching around. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. So if the product does well, they'll do well? Yeah, I think so. It doesn't really make sense. Okay. Thanks. So so anyway. <laughs> Thanks for clearing up the metaphysics and of this it's, shit. It's pretty, I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't it's know pretty, what the, For, for what a, the a movie where the characters are. just bounce around forever and Dex Detective can fly at various <laughs> moments, <laughs> seemingly without any explanation. So it's pretty clear that the woman is the head of Brand X. She starts bringing in her very explicitly Nazi-based 
army yeah. to and sh- to take out the brands that she says are inferior. There's a lot of Lenny Riefenstahl style shots. It, of... it, by which you mean the camera flying around like crazy <laughs> and people just sticking their faces into it. No. I think you mean more. I, I think you mean more. I think you mean more Ron Howard the Grinch esque <laughs> shots. No, but I mean there are like shots of uh, armies massing from above. A lot, and, of, a lot uh, of Iron Eagles flying. Yeah, yeah and literally. In this case, the Iron Eagles are robot mosquito monsters, which mm. we barely see. The one cool thing in the whole movie, and yeah. they barely enter into it. But she's destroyed a- by giant uh, gum balloons later on. But the so, lady has a tango with Dex Detective for some reason. For some reason, they have a for tango in which they reasons. in which they it's like a sexy like banter tango between a hero and villain that also involves destroying accidentally everything in the room. So like yeah. they knock over her fish tank, they knock over a cage of birds, they get a computer wet and it explodes. Like but, none of it makes any sense. But usually, also that scene happens like at a place where say a tango is already happening. Yeah, no, like, this they, like a dance, like say in True Lies where yeah. they're at a fucking dance ball. Yeah, yeah. but this is just like. <laughs> Oh, um, I guess we should tango now because this is what happens. <laughs> the whole movie feels yeah, like one of those dance balls. It's uh, if the movie, including with the the human characters, feel like a lot of these bad movies where someone has heard of a movie they've never really seen one. Like the, this guy had a movie recounted to him once. Oh, they tango at that point. I guess all movies have tango scenes. Yeah, it's them. like how can we jazz this scene of two characters just talking to <laughs> and each here's, other? Let's oh, just mention here. Let's have them do a tango. So the villain is. Heavily oversexed, like huge boobs, like very like the butt again. Like we said, both cheeks rendered. A butt, they just won't quit. Am I right, guys? Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. Oh, and oh, there are a ton oh, of like, yeah. okay. there's a ton of like really inappropriate innuendo that the characters make. There's a lot of what well, the thing I've complained about on this podcast before, where like someone says like, "Hey, chip happens." When yeah. a bag of chips falls over, and it's like they say, a guy goes, "Hey, better ease up on that. Shit po- better ease up on that potato juice before you get chip faced." It's like, fuck you! Like a kids' movie shouldn't have puns on shit happens or shit faced. Like what the fuck? First off, it's lazy. You're teaching a kid to make lazy, crappy jokes. Hey, yeah. it off. He doesn't it's even li- know what that means. He shouldn't know what that means. That's like, a little something for daddy. <laughs> you know, daddy loves I'll tell you what's puns. what's for daddy is the sexy lady and the near and the all, the yeah. possibility of upskirts that's, that constantly happen. That's, that's, that's for that's for lonely single parent daddy <laughs> later on to shamefully <laughs> masturbate after, to after the kids have gone back to their mothers <laughs> and leaving behind not but the copy of Food Fight he bought at the grocery store for a dollar thinking uh, it was a Pixar movie. Okay, repeat this chapter I guess over and over. And since the kids taking one look at it knowing they would have no interest in it never watched it but said. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Dad. Can we go outside and play with Mom early? He <laughs> Can just we sits go outside there. and play with sticks? <laughs> he sits there in the mid-afternoon as his kids play in the dirt outside, <laughs> lazily, sadly masturbating while crying to this supposed children's <laughs> animated film. Oh, that's your so that's your ideal food fight viewer, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, your demographic breakdown that's, of that's food how, fight. That's how a daddy makes lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, that oh, sounds so much grosser than it should. <laughs> yeah. So. Dex Dog Detective's got to get to the bottom of it. It takes forever. They go into the real world briefly where where they get... They, talk they, to a computer, to right? Talk to a computer. This also involves them... There's like a horrible, ugly old lady who throws meat, who yeah, that Cloris Leachman yeah. does the voice of, and they fight her briefly. You They... And they encounter the real a real world mother and baby, which is the single most horrifying. horrifying, grotesque thing I think I've ever seen. Now let's be clear: there are several images in this movie that we simply cannot the, do. Justice the number of times to. that we, and not to sound like other, you know, another film podcast, not to steal their thing, but the number of times that we just said what <laughs> while we were watching it was yeah. the highest yet. Yeah, you like, oh god, there's. Like, 
you the the experience of watching this movie really is like <laughs> well, let's let's say you took some drugs and like stared at a, a Hieronymus Bosch painting <laughs> while maybe Oogie Loves was playing in the other room. Like I, I don't while know also how to... concentrating on a on a farmland milk <laughs> container. Yeah, because yeah. they're There's heavily no... covered in this. It's very difficult to just express the frenetic craziness of every, just like the images every shot the camera's swirling around the characters have no sense of physics or gravity so they're just yeah, bouncing no one around. saw the way an actual human moves before <laughs> they animated constant shots of characters just thrusting their faces into the camera or falling down while like muttering things to themselves <laughs> that might be jokes but you can't quite make them out i watch a lot of movies and listen to a lot of music for pleasure that's designed mainly to make you uncomfortable <laughs> and none of it compares to this movie <laughs> to the moment there's when you- a certain level of horror that that you just can't achieve <laughs> you through can never actual forget. intent. This, and nothing, <laughs> this, the, yeah, the scariest thing about it was someone made this not intending to horrify and disgust us. <laughs> like, if someone... Like, if, kids will love this. If someone, drew that, if someone drew that baby and that mother, which are these horrible, grotesque, like, eraser head things... Yeah, they're, like, worse they, than the Stephen Gamel drawings for, like, uh, scary stories to tell in dark. Like Don't if, even bring that up If again. someone created that to, like freak out the squares i'd be like all right whatever but the fact that it's in a kid's movie and it's supposed to be fun oh the one thing that that saves the moment where they're in the real world is that uh dex uses the power of a flying soda bottle which again is never explained it, i guess it's supposed to be like falling and he glides he's on it flying and around on it in like uh and then like at some point back to the he's like too. he's like norin rad on his silver surfboard <laughs> just like just surfing the spaceways except it's a full bottle of grape soda just in midair in a grocery store and they can't let anyone see them because they might get in trouble but they just fly right through a guy's legs and the guy just keeps walking like well, he's swooping around happens. and then at some point somebody uses a meat cleaver or something and whacks off the cap of the soda and so bottle. that propels it further yeah but it was flying before that <laughs> it doesn't make sense so anyway through a flying soda bottle, they meet a computer and also an elderly gay bat with bad eyesight, played by Larry Miller in by far the best performance oh, in the man. entire movie. He is, he is the one performance that would I would call a good performance in this his, movie. His voice is a delight in this. He brings way more talent to the, to the part of the elderly gay bat who is a mascot for I have no idea. And Larry what. Miller, who has like a bow tie attached to his chest for some reason. <laughs> I mean, Larry Miller is a tremendously funny guy who in movies, unfortunately, got relegated. Uh, over and over again, I feel like to like playing a, like the like angry Dean character yeah, or something. The asshole or the creep. But uh, man, what like what a, what a funny guy! What a charming guy! And and every joke that he has as elderly gay bat in Food Fight, <laughs> he knocks out of the park. Sure. Yeah, like I've been this. I've been a fan of Larry Miller for many years since I was a kid, and like to see him in this, it was like oh no. But then it only made me kind of more of a fan of him that yeah. he was able to make even this. The moments he's on it, at least, are like mildly not enjoyable, but like bearable. <laughs> you know, like he makes even like well, those were the only spin on the lines. I mean, it's the moment when the torturer stops stabbing you in the uh, <laughs> yeah. in the eyeballs with uh, hot pokers. Yeah, it's that it's that sweet relief of the pain stopping for a couple seconds sure. as as it. Then returns As immediately afterwards. Takes a breather and drinks some Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, because it's got the electrolytes he needs. But also, torture. what a charming character of the elderly gay bat. As, <laughs> as you said, Elliot, if you could watch a whole movie about the adventures of an elderly gay bat, if he he's wearing like a disc seventies disco version of like 
uh, Bell Lugosi's Dracula tux. <laughs> he is so like easygoing and droll and likable, and he's just like, and he's so weirdly attracted to the Wayne Brady squirrel character in a way that seems at first like he wants to eat him, but then it is clearly sexual. <laughs> like it's clear that he's attracted to him romantically, and it, but, like Larry Miller just has this way of delivering his lines where it's like, "Hey, look, I'm a bat. I can't see that well. I'm elder. <laughs> I'm, I'm gay. Bad, I'm, I'm gay." gay. <laughs> Get used to it. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm a bat. Get used to it. <laughs> and you and you compare it to like we we we've touched on Charlie Sheen's super phoned in performance, mm-hmm. and but it's it interesting. Was, it may have been just his answering machine message, <laughs> and they cut it up and re-edited it into lines. But like like Wayne Brady put so much effort into his role of what Danger Dan, Danger Dan, and Chris Kattan, who plays the part of a penguin who's always cold. Like puts a little Who bit of energy. Mumbles in. the craziest shit. <laughs> I did not understand anything he said. Yeah, a couple times he said something about friends saving him, or that's what friends are for. But then it was like he thought he was the main character of the movie, and the moral of the movie was friends stick together. <laughs> but he wasn't, there's, and it wasn't. There's a lot of scenes where I feel like they didn't realize each person doing their performance didn't realize they weren't the only person doing a crazy voice in the scene. <laughs> so it's like crazy mumbly voice and then another one on top. So you're saying it's like a bad improv show where everyone's going to be the wacky one in the sketch. No, like all of the characters are animated frenetically. All of them are doing crazy voices. And the by, camera's going ape shit, dude. And by <laughs> the way, like, there, there is the no... The camera thinks, I better jazz this thing up. Because it's not very crazy, so I better loop around a lot. And there's no unification in the character design. Every single character looks like they're starting in a different animated movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it it feels like they hey, bought dude. the characters on Remainder from a, from a series of a lot of failed animated movies. Walk down a grocery they store. They bought all now. the characters in a dollar store somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's get back to the plot. They uh, just briefly they meet an elderly gay bat they talk to an ibm computer and they learn that uh these that brand x is recalling all of these products doesn't make sense only the company that makes a product can recall it but whatever brand x is doing it they brand x is consolidating its control dex dog detective comes back and decides to lead the resistance uh they have a parody of the marseillaise uh uh horse wessel no it wasn't the horse wessel song right I don't know. Oh, maybe it is the Horsewell song. Uh, do a uh, fight scene in, from Castlevania. Uh, I don't Uber think Ollie's. so. I don't think maybe it was. I can't remember. But uh, the uh, it's really bad. But it's they're yeah. also singing along to the they're singing to the tune of Mar- the Marseillaise. Yeah, but other words about about I don't know, being mascots being or something. <laughs> yeah, but uh. And it's so, it's one of those things where the villains are infiltrating in such an easily villainous way. They literally march an army and they're torturing animals. There's a scene where the, this poor elephant who looks like Max Rebo, who I guess is a mascot <laughs> for a toothpaste, they literally are going to torture him with a dentist drill. Uh, at first it looks like they're trying to create feuds between the different types of mascots, but then they're just fucking killing mascots left and right. They're just very openly being evil. And Dex comes back and he leads the foods in a fight and I thought this was the climax of the movie. I thought this was the end of the film. Yeah. That they have an enormous food fight, which is literally just the different the sides taking turns, just hurling food at each other forever. And, it's and not, then it's and not food exploding, and the bad and the characters falling down, and then getting up and just throwing and food using at each the other. Same fucking footage <laughs> over like, and over it's again. It's also like not stuff that makes sense, as you pointed out. Like you've got like people shooting pickles at each other, and those pickles exploding in gas, and you're like, "There's mustard, mustard gas, mustard it's gas, right there." Yeah, when, like, when you get hit with a pickle, it doesn't explode in a puff of 
toxic gas. Part of the joke of Pixar movies is like they find things that are appropriate to the thing <laughs> that they're doing. Where this movie's just like, uh, I guess on. whatever food we throw will just explode. <laughs> if they had made whipped twist, cream canisters, gas. gas. Pickles, gas. <laughs> Ketchup. It's just catch, catch it and flies yeah, out. But it'll kill you. But it kills you. Elf potatoes and it doesn't explode. leave a mess. There's no mess at all. That's the thing about a food fight, guys, <laughs> is that it makes a it mess. Should, well, that's they didn't want to. Just ha- one of the guys taught me anything. Mm-hmm. It's that food it's that fights. Boobs are great. <laughs> boobs are amazing. Boobs that's, are great and often surprise you. <laughs> if it but taught me something else. That boobs will appear in the most shocking of places, <laughs> even on the chest of your in best a, friend. In a movie that has been boobless <laughs> for 90 minutes. In a movie that has. Teased you with the idea of boobs for an hour and a half, and then suddenly pays that tease off in the with, best way with possible. Possibly the best boobs. May, yeah, well, let's just say it. You know what? I'll just nominate that for best boob reveal scene ever. So if it taught me something other than that stuff, it's that it taught me if you put fights. socks in your crotch, Sherilyn Fenn will go apeshit for it. She goes crazy. <laughs> she loves it. She's just got to have it. <laughs> She's just got to have those socks. I went, There's some guy, it's like the in The Jerk when Steve Martin thinks the guy is shooting the cans instead of shooting at him. Somebody saw just one of the guys and was like, socks. Ladies go crazy for socks, of course. Anyway, what we're we talking about, I just one of the guys know. taught you anything, is that food fights leave a mess. It leaves a mess. And this movie leaves no mess They at didn't all. want to render all the splatter, so they just didn't have it there. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there's a big food fight that goes on forever. They fight the robot insects robot, with bubblegum. It's all it's all stupid. It takes and there's the running joke so of there's, a couple of them die, I think. There's a very short evil general on the bad side and he So there's there all that there are three bad guys and their whole army. The three bad guys are the sexy lady, the inappropriately sexy lady. Then there's this the guy inappropriately sexy lady, right? <laughs> yeah. Then there's this guy who has oh there's four bad guys, I'm sorry. Sexy lady. There's the guy with lizard skin who Snake is man. turned on by pain yeah. and does a weird kind of Claude Rains, Ed Grimley Jr., Boris Karloff, James, James Mason type Richard voice. O'Brien. I'm going to say James Mason, not Claude yeah. Rains. James Mason. And uh, then there's the really short general who's a coward and his <laughs> pants fall down. Kind of a wizard is the, uh, style short. And then there's the a bi- who's, who's like a potato chip. He's like a potato. Is that what he is? He's a potato. I honestly couldn't understand what they were supposed to be. He's a potato. So they fight with food for a long time, and then the movie should be over, right? No. Dex has another idea. They're going to put... They're going to cut the power to the main building, which will somehow cause a lightning storm uh-huh. that will explode the building. So they have they, to put putting... tinfoil lightning rods in the shape of different things on the roofs of their buildings. And it's all done to this song about how they can do it, like they're going to go for the bright side and the right side or something like that. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, long story short, it turns Mr. Nose, the anti-Semitic guy who's <laughs> – the anti-Semitic caricature whose job is just smelling things – Finds out also that there's an additive in Brand X that makes it addictive and toxic, but also Brand X is really plain and boring. So it's the really addictive food that's super plain and doesn't taste good. It doesn't Again, make sense. Don't buy generic food, guys. But they find out that that's actually an extract from Sunshine Goodness's blood. I guess I don't know. They're <laughs> yeah, extracting been... <laughs> some juice from her that they're injecting into their food to make it taste to make it addictive. I don't understand. This is the point in the podcast where people are taking their earbuds out saying. Like, okay, the three of these guys just hallucinated this movie. They're like, okay, Oogie Loves was a fucking <laughs> checkoff play next to this. Like, <laughs> that was a model of narrative construction. Yeah, Oogie Loves was a separation next to Food Fight. But anyway, so they're, so they're, they're 
uh, what are they? They infiltrate that building. There's this weasel named like Cheesy Weasel, who voiced by the director of the movie, who is no one else could bring that character to life. Who's supposed to be like the Peter Lorre Ugarte character yeah. from Casablanca, but he's he like a like, frenetic turd. But he's constantly getting <laughs> he looks hurt. like uh, like a scrotum crossed with the weasels from Who Framed Roger. Yeah, it's yeah. like if the weasels from Roger Rabbit were reincarnated as a hairy scrotum with legs <laughs> and a long neck that could like turn around like a serpent. Yeah. But the animation wasn't good enough to actually animate that hair stretching, so they just kind of stretched the, the, the skin. Image. Yeah. yeah. And he, often you see his face. The idea is that his neck is so long that his body is far away and his face is close to you. But the way they framed it, you don't see the neck, so it just looks like he has an enormous <laughs> head on a tiny body. Anyway, he sneaks in uh, through the sewers. He cuts the power. The building goes nuts. Dex Dog Detective comes in with a grappling hook and breaks all the Bacta cloning tanks that they're <laughs> using with know. Sunshine Goodness's secret essence. Oh, I don't boy. know. Uh, he manages to save her. They escape from the building when Danger Dan finally pulls off the loop-de-loop that he fucked up in the beginning of the movie, <laughs> ruining it. <laughs> Dex's proposal. Then... Evil, Better late than never, you know. It it you turns know, it all comes to full circle. It turns like out. Loop-de-loop. Then suddenly the bad guys have been destroyed, except giant Christopher Lloyd start come is somehow in Food Town. Wait a minute, I thought he was a person in another universe. We thought so too. Turns out he's a robot. He's giant in Food Town, but he's a. Ro- At this point, we were like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> turns out he's a robot, and Evil Angoria is inside his head. Turns out Evil Longoria was the mascot like for a gen- a prune for a genetically modified prune brand. Yeah, she went to Brazil to get plastic surgery to become beautiful. And she says at one point, "They're <laughs> it's like a common story." She got they're a Brazilian. Like, they're like, "How did you?" But you're a you're a Matt. You're an Ike. How did you get the the humans to help you? And she goes, "When you have a body like this, it doesn't matter what size you are. Size only counts for men." And there's this <laughs> shot of the gay bat looking at the squirrel, and it's like going whoa 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 whoa. And, and there should be a shot sense. of the three of us with our fucking. <laughs> faces in our hands <laughs> just our, our jaws dropped and not in the tex avery wolf like turned on way in the like i can't understand like i can't comprehend what i'm seeing it's Too like much gay innuendo for this <laughs> there are times in this food there are times movie. in this movie when it's like you're a child and you pick up an adult's book and you know there's information in it and there's pictures occasionally but you can't read it and you don't know what it means and you know to somebody this means something but to you, it's incomprehensible gibberish. That's what this movie is like. I feel like I've stumbled into like a sub-basement that's owned by a serial killer, and I see all this crazy <laughs> shit on the walls, and I can't make sense of but it. To him, but I know it's horrifying. To him, there's some evil logic. It's Like, like re- why are the eyes cut out of all these things? This pictures? is like reading the Codex Seraphinianus or something. Anyway, so the... Uh, it's weird. Okay, so he said she starts attacking Dex, and he's like, "They're like he won't fight a woman. He's too noble. He's not going to do it." And Sunshine Goodness, who's supposed to be the nicest, sweetest character, goes, "I'll do it," and then beats the mm-hmm. shit out of Eva Longoria and beats her so hard that her plastic surgery breaks, and she becomes an ugly person again. Which and is you, always hilarious. And frankly, I feel I felt a lot of sympathy for her. Even though she's come in as a Nazi and tried to kill everybody, it was, everyone's like, ha ha, you're ugly! And it's like, well that's, okay, so the heroes of the movie are making fun of an ugly person? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah I wonder why she got plastic surgery in the first place, you know? Yeah, with all this fucking peer pressure, making fun of her. So, and then it ends with Dex Dog Detective finally proposing to Sunshine Goodness. And have the Jewish wedding of their dreams. And then during the credits, it cuts to their Jewish wedding where he steps on a milk carton at the end and it's very because mil- milk's uh, uh addictive right it's, it's the uh, booze of their world a, yeah i guess well you, you don't step it's on like a wine. alien nation right 
You don't. Yeah, yeah. They get drunk on milk. You step on a wine bottle, but you step on a wine glass. You step glass. on a glass, but it's not full of wine. Yeah, sure. Well, you don't step on milk at a Jewish wedding? You don't step on milk at a Jewish wedding, no. <sighs> Most Jewish weddings don't even serve milk. Because they, they want to have some, What weddings do you want to Because well, they want to have a meat dish. It builds strong bones. It does, that's true. It's very strong bones. Do you go to a lot of weddings where you just order a glass of milk? <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> one milk, please. Sure. <laughs> I toast with please. it. Please, hey, Aunt Baru, give me one of them milks. <laughs> Give me a plastic cup with milk in it from a space cow, Aunt Peru. Uncle Owen, you told me about how that vaporator's broken. I gotta fix it tomorrow before I go to Tashi <laughs> Station. Hmm. <laughs> it's the Owen and Peru Catering Company. <laughs> it's all organic, vaporator-fed meat. Okay. Oh. So the, and our R2-D2 is the waiter. <laughs> anyway, C-3PO's the bartender, of course. Anyway, so they have their Jewish wedding where they play... Even an off-brand version of Hava Nagila. Like, even that sounds terrible. Yeah, and then they cut to a pop song that is basically the off-brand version of I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Yeah. And, wow, and you, we're just sitting there being like, what? <laughs> what did I see? And then during what the credits, this? there are a bunch of gags featuring the characters we've grown to love <laughs> that mystify us yet again. I wonder why they, if, like, I'm sure they made Dex Jewish as a joke, but, like, I wonder if it was, like, you know what? We're going pretty heavy with the Nazi imagery, just to make sure no one knows we're not. No one thinks we're Nazis. We'll make Dex Jewish at the end. Yeah. And at the end, there's a joke about Sunshine Goodness is like, I want to see what's under your hat. Finally, and takes off his hat, and there's another hat underneath. And it's like, I didn't even fucking realize he had a hat on the whole movie. Like, <laughs> was it supposed to be a running I'm gag? So but he's always wearing by a his weird dog head. <laughs> this weird <laughs> half man, half Vargier hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, we've gone so long on this movie because it is so inexplicable that I think that we need to go straight to final judgments, and that is the question. I think I know of it's good is, is it is it a good bad movie? Spookily good bad? No, no. Is this a good bad movie? A bad it's not bad shock, movie? Sh- it's Shockvember now. Oh, it's Shockvember. That's right. It's Turkvember. Turkey Day. Is it a good okay. bad movie? A bad bad movie or a movie you kind of liked? Elliot, what do you have to say? Oh, man, it doesn't get any bad, badder than this. It's one of those movies that's so bad that, like, Dan at one point was like, I want to share this with people because <laughs> it's so bad because you feel like uh, you want proof that you you went through a thing. Like, you want – it's like – I assume when someone comes back from a war and they're like, I'm glad you didn't have to go through I feel what so I much through. closer to you guys but right I, now. But I wish you had, could have had experienced it so you'd know what I experienced. Yeah. Like, it's so bad, so poorly written, so poorly – animated so poorly voice acted except for larry miller so poorly like everything about it is poorly made it, it's a movie that feels like an animation demo reel for a very shitty software company yeah. and somehow they got all these famous i mean they got famous actors to do because they had a huge budget and they didn't spend any of it on the animation but for all those reasons that's why i'm saying that it is a good bad movie oh no <laughs> because Whoa. it is look it is inexplicable it is a movie that's to get to the point where it is good bad for the viewer you have to sit through like an hour and 10 minutes of it until you enter some kind of like delusional state (laughs) well it's it it is difficult to make fun of simply because it is so difficult to follow like a, a a really good good bad movie has a clear narrative thrust and this movie is so frenetic for a lot of it that it is not necessarily that but it is so weird it's very weird it's such a strange off-putting crazy experience that i'll say it's a good bad movie because it is a it is unlike anything if that you'll you ever see, do in if your you life. see if you see only one movie about 
a dog saving the world of food mascots from <laughs> from a sexy Nazi. Make it food fight mm-hmm. the, with a gay elderly bat in it. <laughs> I feel like most. I feel like most good going, bad Stuart? movies. I, I think I'm. I think I'm actually leaning closer toward good bad. Movies. Really, yeah. I feel like most good bad movies have one or two really strange off the wall things that people kind of latch onto. But this, there's no, there's no grounding in this movie. It's so strange and horrifying to look at. <laughs> Like there's nothing. You know what? You're turning me around, both of you. I'll say good bad also. Yeah. It's it's not like I do not recommend watching it on your own. It's you not, will get no pleasure from it's it. It's not good bad the way I thought that like Bullet in the Head was good bad. It was like that was stupid fun. Like that was bad, but it was like it was not. You know, there were things yeah, that, that were just stupid. Well, yeah, and it's not and even it's, good bad in the way on. that the room is good bad, where it's a delight from start to finish. How <laughs> inept it is. No, but it is a baffling experience. I will say this is a new category that I'll call a bad that I'll call. Inexperience, you know, like yeah. it, it's hard to rate this on the regular scale of good or bad because it's very bad. But yeah, it's a singular, singular moment in human history. Yeah, you're through the looking glass on this one. Oof, yeah. And on the, on the other hand, it's nothing but dogs having sex with cat women. <laughs> sure. Um, before we move on to letters and squir- black squirrels having sex with elderly gay bats. <laughs> before we move on to letters, there are two things I want to uh, address with people. Number one, uh, just a reminder. Are that you the, firing us, Dan? No, just number one, just a reminder that the it's a uh, the video Did the a video job. contest. You're fired. <laughs> nice haircut. No, <laughs> oh, the Flophouse House Cat video. The Flophouse House Cat video contest. He's the co- is he's still the house on. cat Arthur's theme. Yeah, it's still on. Go to the. There's some good stuff out there so far. Yeah. Go to flophousepodcast.com to uh, download both the green screen footage of us goofing around and. Uh, he's the house cat. Parentheses Arthur's theme uh, to make your video to enter in the he's the house cat. There's contest. been a lot of there's been some very good entries. So the the bar is set very high. So I say put a lot of effort into this. It's good. And what do you win if you win, Dan? You get a a flop house t shirt and the chance to choose a movie for us to flop on a all America podcast. is all America is ducking from the gauntlets being thrown. Yeah. <laughs> well um, put. Well put. But for further, well, but, that, was, but, that was an Elliot style thing I just said. But for uh, a f- further explication, you say of the stuff contest, like that all the time. Yeah, uh, go to uh, flophousepodcast.com to the blog section to our new website, to our brand new, our website. Brand new, our brand website. new beautiful website. You want to see something professional done on a computer? Watch Food Fight yeah. or go see our website. <laughs> Courtesy of a uh, new web designer, Naaman Hampton. Thank you for uh, putting did, that together. Did a fantastic job. It looks great. Yeah. Way better than the shitty one you put together, Dan. I apologize. That ugly, what was that, blog spot? <laughs> it was a blog spot. <laughs> Terrible. How long do we have that for? Six years? Oh, uh, boy. Anyway, moving on to the but, uh, other announcement. did a great job. And, uh, What's the other big announcement? Are we all when is the when, When's the deadline for the House Cat video contest? It is December the 1st. Okay, December 1st. Two days before my birthday. Uh, the other announcement is December that 7th. <laughs> our next Never episode forget. of our show, we will be taking part in a new thing, which is a podcast pod crawl. Uh, this is a this was proposed to us from our friends over at the Read It and Weep podcast, which is um, uh, three three podcasts: uh, Read and Weep, ourselves, and uh, proudly resents uh, three bad movie podcasts. We'll be covering a linked series of movies, 
And those movies, in this case, will be the Star Wars prequels. So Rita and Weep will be doing episode one. Classic movies. We will be doing episode two. In the next episode. And Proudly Resents will be doing episode three. So if you want to do the prod- pod crawl, you can listen to uh, those three consecutive episodes. Check out Rita and Weep's uh, premiere with uh, of the pod crawl with Star Wars episode one, The Phantom... Minotaur. So we don't we don't have to watch that. <laughs> and one, we'll be right? doing Attack of the Clowns. <laughs> and then finally, it'll be number three at, on our brother's ends: Revenge of the Sims. Revenge of the Sims. Revenge of the Scythe. Um, so those are the two announcements. Uh, also, here's a third announcement. What? There's some kind of weird podcast there's award some kind or something. Of wonderful. <laughs> some kind of wonderful. There's some kind of there's some kind of weird. Sure. There's some kind of Las Vegas podcast award or something, and we're nominated and for podcastawards.com. And we're nominated for movie podcast. So we'd appreciate it if you would go and vote for us in the movie podcast category. And there's some stiff competition. Oh, is that an innuendo? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, know. three things to remember. One, make your video for the House Cat Contest. Two, check out Read It and Weep for the beginning of the pod crawl, which will be the part two in. It's a pod crawl flophouse sandwich. And three, vote for us at podcastawards.com in the movie category. Dan? Uh, now it's time for the Flophouse movie mailbag. And I'm just gonna break it down, guys. We don't have time for a song. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Uh, so this first letter... Time is- for the letters. Oh, first letter Damn here. It. The first letter of the year. Not really. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, continue. The most inaccurate theme. <laughs> do, 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 do. Do you have more song ever <laughs> do, uh, What would we do, baby? Without, without letters. letters. What would we do, baby? Is a time for love and a time for letters. <laughs> Let's open the mailbag. You can have a letter here or put it there. Time for the bag. Time for the bag. Whatever happened to the letters? <laughs> the milkman, the paperboy, paper the letters. evening letters. <laughs> All right. Letter on the mailbag. Never met him before. <laughs> okay. Who cares? Thank open you up for the mailbag. Thank you for being a mailbag. Okay. Travel around the road and back to bag. Your heart is letters. You're a and a letter door. Holy shit. Mailbag. Mail, 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 mailbag. Show me that letter again. Show me that letter. Don't waste another mailbag on the song singing. All right, so this first letter. Is Seinfeld letters. First letters from Dr. James A. Last name withheld. Hey there, James. It's a long. I mean, Dr. James. Oh, Um, Mr. Dr. This goes back a little while. Uh, He says. (laughs) He says, "I just invented fire." (laughs) (laughs) I've been a listener of your fine podcast for quite a while, and I've always enjoyed your commentary. Thanks, James. It was a real treat to see that commentary in action at the showing of Jaws 4 at the 92Y. Oh, back in in the summer. Oh, no, July, that's right, June. It was a fantastic show and immensely entertaining, but there was something missing from the proceedings. Something mincing? (laughs) And I feel it would be professionally remiss of me if (laughs) I didn't bring it up. (laughs) The treatment of the novelization of Jaws the Revenge was treated with scant, if any, attention. And I think you and the organizers all owe it to yourselves to pick up a copy and read this piece of work. Is it on Kindle? I consider myself <laughs> something of a something uh, of a Jaws head, something of a 20th century American lit, i.e., difficult literature. 
uh, uh, literary professional. The novelization of the Jaws 4 uh, in plot points alone rivals anything I've encountered in my studies, graduate or otherwise. It contains digressive plots within digressive plots, arranged to a point of confusion that would make Pynchon blush. There are a few brief diversions into magical realism. The action and adventure elements are so simultaneously heightened and flattened that they appeal more uh, that they appear more pastiche of action and adventure cliches than actual attempt to compose action and adventure. In effect, Jaws the Revenge may just be the epitome of the postmodern novel. If you'll allow me, I'd like to present this itemized list of the main reasons to read the novelization of Jaws the Revenge. Number one. Once the action moves to the island, a voodoo priest with a grudge against Michael engages in a ceremony which creates a psychic link with a shark, Not thereby, in the movie. thereby merging his vengeance-seeking activities with that of the natural world, so much that each loses a piece of himself. The priest becomes part shark and spirit, What? as the shark becomes part human. To break it down into simpler terms... A voodoo priest possesses the shark. Now, that actually makes more sense than the movie, in which the shark just happens to know that... Just has a grudge. Just has a grudge, and then tra- still travels 3,000 miles. It's an angry to... shark. Number like two, they hit video game. Angry sharks. We get several digressive chapters at the beginning of the book, narrating, uh, from the shark's point of view, the trip from Amity to the Bahamas. Number three, there's a long-involved subplot, so long-involved that it's really more of a main plot of the novel... Detailing Hoagie's dealings with a Colombian cartel that uses the Bahamas as a point of departure for smuggling drugs to the U.S. Number four. I'd read that. Attendant to the a subplot. Hoagie adventure. <laughs> there's another long digressive description of speedboats detailing how speedboats are made, <laughs> how they're driven, and why they're optimal for smuggling drugs to the U.S. from the Bahamas. Number five. Attendant to the speedboat subplot. There's another subplot about a hitman character who, similar to the voodoo priest, begins to reflect the shark's naturalist view of the universe, using naturalism in the 19th century literary sense. Number six, giving the backstory of the hitman character, we the readers are treated to a whole chapter on the grueling process of transforming cocoa leaves into cocaine powder. (laughs) So there's a lot of filler in this book where they just put pamphlets in. (laughs) Yeah. Number seven, finally, to get back to the main point, a voodoo priest controls the shark. Yeah, now you're talking. I hope you'll take this all into consideration and take a chance and read this bizarre book. Thanks very much for the podcast and the live show. Yours, Dr. James A. Last why, nice. the, uh, why does the voodoo priest hate the uh, He has the a family? grudge against Michael for some reason. Yeah. Okay. But you don't have to take my word Is for it? it. Check out Jaws for the Revenge at your local library dumpster. Da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to read that now. Yeah, this second letter is titled A Suggested Trademark for Dan McCoy. Mm-hmm. Dear Original Peaches <laughs> Although the Flophouse community has failed to give Dan our condolences over his recent knee injury I'd like to suggest a way in which our I think no the, longer that yeah. reason <laughs> A way in which our hobbled host The knee injury is almost old enough to celebrate a birthday I mean it takes a full year to heal but whatever guys <laughs> <laughs> While attending the most recent Bad Movie Night screening of Jaws of Revenge it was a sad sight to witness the flapper's beloved question mark host Dan McCoy slink behind the screen and around the stage to join the audience for the movie. All that bitterness uh, yeah. and disappointment in his life clearly tipped the scale. It was and too bad. We Elliot and I just jumped we just right off the stage. Up, hopped yeah. up there on the stage, yeah. I think yeah. we did spinning mm-hmm. jump kicks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I actually jumped 
onto my hands and then did a handspring up onto the stage, <laughs> onto your is, shoulders, and then you did the old fastball special on me. Yeah, yeah all the disappointment in life. Both your knees. <laughs> Clearly Without tip of scale. I actually did a slide on my knees towards the lip of the stage, as if to say, knees, aren't they great? <laughs> and can long, no longer stand to house itself in the dark recesses of his mind, instead manifesting itself as a painful, crippling injury in his knee to counter all the disturbed and perverted thoughts forever, forever circulating in his head. So it's like the brood, but it's just your knee getting hurt. What a contrast when compared to Stuart, who sat in front of me during the movie and blinded me with his boozy, ethereal glow... <laughs> Which in radiance could only be rivaled by the inexplicable halo around Lorraine Gary while Ellen Brody was vacationing in the Bahamas. Yeah. Could this indicate that both she and Stuart are sharing a menopausal romance with a man named Hoagie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to be the judge. We both want hoagies in our mouths. Anyway. Whoa. Whoa. Observe and need to wink. Meanwhile, there was Elliot the troll, who is not worth talking about. <laughs> Observing Dan, I recalled a long-ago discussion about what his shtick would be. Perhaps his sorrow has built over the years because the podcast format has deprived him of one of his greatest comedic tools. Props. His, his knees. <laughs> oh, you could be a prop comic, Dan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And whatever, what better prop in his current condition than a cane? I'll refer you back to the classic uh, news Michael radio Kane, episode. Hoagie from Jaws of Revenge. I'll refer you back to the classical, classic news radio episode, The Cane, where oh, Phil Hartman... Learned the unlimited benefits of a cane, including pointing, twirling, and brandishing it like a sword. Went out for a stroll, used Bill McNeil's classic line, Beautiful day out there. Perfect cane weather. (laughs) Please consider the possibilities. With that said, thank you for the wonderful evening. Of all the shows I've been seeing recently in New York, none have left me so bruised by laughter as the bad movie night, quite literally, after three hours of commentary, PowerPoint presentations, a Michael Caine cameo, and a live reading of Elliot's Jaws slash Taking of Pelham screenplay. Oh, that was fun. My jaw felt Thanks. sore. Those were either big laughs, or I'm a morose bastard whose inability to smile and feel joy rivals only one man alive. I think he's talking about me. Oh. The shame that my friend... Uh, the shame is my friend and fellow flopper, Christopher, could not attend, despite the advanced notice he had. Uh, using studying the bars as an excuse. Meanwhile, I was sitting two rows from David Kalin. I think it's clear. <laughs> sports star extraordinaire. I think it's clear which was the better evening. Once you consider how much unwanted sports trivia <laughs> I was sitting so close to. Yeah, you left with a lethal uh, case of sports. That was yours, contagious. Charlie. Last name withheld. Thanks, well, thanks Charlie. For the kind words. Yeah, the glad words you enjoyed the show. Kalin, that was a real slam dunk. Uh, <laughs> in the word, as David Kalin would say. Touchdown! Mm-hmm. Uh, goal! As David Kalen would say, I'm envious of my brother. <laughs> As David Kalen would say, read my letter on your podcast! <laughs> nothing brings... I, I, yesterday sports I encountered something. Nothing brings me... Gr- no, a few things bring me greater joy than the fact that there's this sports writer who follows me on Twitter and my brother follows him. And I don't follow him. I don't care about sports. <laughs> And I think he listens to the podcast, and thank you very much for listening. But it's just like, I love that my brother follows this guy who will ma- mention me occasionally on Twitter. Can't escape me, Dave. Um, we're running late, so one last letter. This one's titled, Prophesying M. Night Shyamalan's Plagiarisms. Mm-hmm. Dear Original Peaches. <laughs> That's us. In the podcast for knowing, incidentally, a movie about predicting disasters. <clears throat> yep. You guys- Too bad they couldn't predict knowing. You guys collaboratively predicted, with uncanny precision, 
the plot of M. Night Shyamalan's After Earth. And you even predicted he would steal it back from Alex Preuss, who stole it from him. Excerpted from your conversation. Now, he has a little playlet here where we have... Has our, should we play ourselves? I feel like we should play each other. So <laughs> Okay. Elliot, you play Stuart. Okay. I'll play Elliot, and Stuart, you play Dan. Okay. Okay, so okay. I'm Stuart. Okay. Yeah. You could call it Earth 2 or Orth, dude. <laughs> I thought the Meowvy was really good. A real twist on there and that ending. I bet M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> was watching that really meowed. <laughs> You stole my twist. It's true. It's me, M. Night Shyamalan. No, guys, if M. Night Shyamalan made the movie, it would be totally clear at the end that the movie that the planet we see is actually Earth. And there'd be a big sign that said, Welcome to Earth. Earth original, dude. Population. Two. And now I'm just going to ad-lib as Stuart for a little bit. Cowabunga, party, Coors Light, dude, meow! Yeah. What's the use? <laughs> Why bother? Boobs, please! That's true, I'm basically Eeyore. I'll order two! Uh, so anyway, <laughs> the email ends, please discuss your impending lawsuit, if possible, in a podcast about After Earth. I mean, that, that podcast, I'm sure, is forthcoming. But, oh, uh, I want to. I want to do After Earth really badly. That email is from Doug, last name withheld. Doug, oh, thanks, Doug. Jones, I assume. That, Doug Jones. <laughs> thanks for writing in, Doug, and reminding us that M. Night Shyamalan owns, uh, owes us some money, some scratch. Yeah, yep. some sweet cheddar. <laughs> is, <laughs> Who says that? Is that like sh- cheddar cheese with sugar on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's cheddar that you have on top of a slice of apple pie. Oh, man, so mm. American, that Dan McCoy. Uh, <laughs> so what's the next part of this fucking shit? Uh, <laughs> wow. wow. Way to dismiss the podcast that has been your bread and butter, my friend. Yeah, you're living off this thing. <laughs> I live off bread and butter. That's how I get this body. Because we don't make a lot of money from the podcast. All you can afford is bread and some butter. Uh, the next segment and the final segment is recommendations. Movies that we enjoyed that we recommend that you watch instead of Food Fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Should we just all recommend Food Fight? <laughs> the psych- we'll run out of time. Whatever. <laughs> the psychedelic mind freak that was <laughs> Food Fight. Look, it was Food Fight's happening and it freaks us out. Mm-hmm. You like a little body horror? Watch Food Fight. <laughs> Yeah. If you want to know what it's like if they hired David Cronenberg to make a kid's movie and then David Cronenberg said, no, this is too scary for me to work on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump in. Um, if you are looking to watch an animated movie and you watch Food Fight and it uh, terrifies you and you feel unclean and you want to feel better about yourself, I would go pop in a laser disc of The Last <laughs> Unicorn. <laughs> I mean, that is on DVD. Yeah. No, you should watch it on laser, though. Mm-hmm. That's Jeff Bridges color. and Mia Farrow yep. starring in. With a soundtrack by America. If you haven't seen uh, The Last Unicorn, who the fuck are you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, if you, you have seen it, clearly didn't have email. HBO in the early 80s. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, it's the story about, I guess, The Last Unicorn. Uh, that's <laughs> Wait, have you seen this movie? <laughs> I've seen it a shitload of times. Just, you don't seem to know anything about it. The Last Unicorn is one of those movies I've yeah. seen so many times. Based that on the Peter S. Beagle book of the same name. And that's a book that... I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel, but it's a it's I've a book that I, I've book. never read, and I hear it's. Great, I read it, but yeah. I hear it's great. But I'm nervous about reading it because I love the movie so much that it'll. I'm worried that it will 
Like I hear it so good that it will negatively affect my opinion. I don't know about that. Like I, I, I read it. I really liked it. It is maybe the most 1970s book that has ever existed. Okay, that may the last unicorn wife swaps prevent you from more than Shadow of the Torturer by Gene Wolfe, where two guys get in a duel (laughs) with poisonous flowers. Um, it's a it's a it's a very enjoyable (laughs) book, but it also has like. A weird fuzziness of the era. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. So Last Unicorn, do you recommend the sequel, Last Unicorn 2? Hey, we found another unicorn. <laughs> hey, we're wrong, guys. I didn't even know guys. they made that. Who's in that one? Uh, it's also Mia Farrow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's... Um, and uh, let's just say on, Wayne Knight. Rachel Dredge. Wayne Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wayne Knight and Rachel Dredge. They made it last year. Yeah. It's, so uh, the last Wayne unicorn is Emma Roberts. <laughs> As the, the second to last unicorn. Oh wow! Second to last. No, unicorn. no. The first last unicorn was the second to last unicorn. Okay. The penultimate unicorn. That was the penultimate unicorn. This yeah. is the ultimate. That's what they were going to call it, but they realized that nobody understood what that meant. Yeah. Yeah, and so they wanted the super clear title, like the last unicorn. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll take so it. So that was my last recommendation, guys. Forever, Mark. <laughs> Dan, I'll uh, recommend a movie that I had the pleasure of seeing on the big screen. On at, a plane, of course. Uh, <laughs> well, as big a screen as I can get a on a plane. Right. Anyway, it's called, it's called The Internship. No, I saw it at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Um, was it Don John? I saw that. That was pretty No, good. I saw uh, Godzilla. Uh, okay. Brooklyn Academy Starring of Music. Matthew Broderick. No. No. The original <laughs> Japanese film. Uh, fam. So you mean Gojira. Yeah, this is the, this is the third annual... Um, Puppetry on film series that BAM has been doing, uh, co-sponsored by the uh, Jim Henson Foundation, and this was their... which is for puppet, you know, puppets who didn't save enough money to retire on. Yeah, this is the <laughs> yes, this is the Men in Suits night. I watched uh, Godzilla and Aliens, which I don't need to recommend because I've. Uh, I'm sure everyone is listening. To this everyone's seen it. Seen it and if you haven't, you stop listening right now and go see Aliens. Between the ages of 13 and 20, I probably saw it about 30 times myself. Uh, but it played like gangbusters on a on a big screen. But Godzilla, uh, this is the first time I'd seen the original movie. And what I knew that it was a somber movie. I knew that it was a movie that dealt with uh, sort of Japan's relationship to uh, the nuclear bomb uh, and and nuclear power in general. But um, yeah, it surprised me how much it was placed in kind of the tradition of serious Japanese post-war cinema in general. Like mm-hmm. the tone of it is very serious, and then there's a giant lizard in it. But you, from that movie, you would never guess that like toys of Godzilla would become a common thing, yeah. or that there'd be it's like a, a Hanna Barbera cartoon. It is a very sad, traumatic movie. In if, a lot of ways. if you like that, you should also watch another movie that features men wearing giant suits. It's a movie called Pacific Rim. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> very, very somber, somber movie. <laughs> very serious dealing I'll with... never forget the uh, the the sadness of the moment got... where his giant sword cuts through the wing <laughs> of a giant monster. And it's crazy that they made those monsters look so realistic with a guy inside of them. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Okay. But uh, that is a good movie, the original Gojira. And try to see that and not the Americanized version. Yeah, with I did not Burr, see the one that has Raymond Burr in it which, or whatever. for me as a kid, I must have watched the Raymond Burr Godzilla several dozen times. Like, <laughs> I, I watched the Godzilla movies over and over again as a kid. Yeah, judging by your letters to G-Fan alone, you've seen it <laughs> no. dozens of times. There's a reason I have a lifetime subscription to G-Fan. <laughs> 
I've been there. Look, I remember the days before it was a glossy mag, and I remember the days when it stopped being a glossy mag. But uh, the uh, but as an adult, seeing the original Japanese cut when they first kind of re-released it to American theaters about ten years ago or so, I remember what a shock it was to me and what like a revelation to see this taking this serious treatment of this subject, you know. So yeah. and how much it really made less sense to me that a movie like Godzilla versus Megalon eventually came about where it's just like a cartoon character fighting a giant bug monster, you know. Anywho, I'll recommend my movie now. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, may still be on Netflix Instant right now, so you could literally watch it at this moment at your fingertips. Uh, and it's a movie called Walker, starring Ed Harris. You're thinking of Walker, Texas Ranger. I am not. This, this is a movie. TV show. That's not a movie. Yeah, it doesn't I, count. This, this is a 1987 film, Walker, directed by Alex Cox. And it's basically the movie that ended Alex Cox's big-budget filmmaking career. Like Now, you may know Alex Cox, Cox from Repo Man. Repo Man, Sid, Sid and Nancy. Nancy. He had, I think, just made Sin and Nancy. And they said, okay, we're going to give you a bigger budget, which was like, Six million dollars or something, which at the time in 1987 was a huge, was not an enormous budget, but a big enough budget. And he said, okay, I want to make this period film based on the true story of William Walker, who was kind of an American adventurer who traveled around Latin America overthrowing governments for the most part and went to Nicaragua in the 1850s and made himself dictator of Nicaragua for about two years before being overthrown and became increasingly unhinged as the movie portrays him. And I'm going to do it explicitly as a statement about America's current actions in Latin America and Nicaragua. And what comes out of it is this movie that is kind of like if Terry Gilliam made a history movie that had a political point to it, uh, where it's very over the top and and like there are funny moments, but it's also very like stylized messagey and dramatic in a way that I liked a lot, and there's some action scenes that I liked a lot in it, but he uses purposeful anachronism increasingly as the movie gets on. And to, like, for instance, there's a scene I was not prepared for because I knew very little about this movie when I first watched, first started watching it, where two characters are discussing that Walker has taken over Nicaragua and what they're going to do, and they're in a carriage. It's the 1850s, but they're reading copies of Time and Newsweek that have photographs of Ed Harris as Walker on the cover, and it's not – there's no close-up of the magazines. It's not called attention to. Like you have to notice it, and then the anachronisms become increasingly obvious, but not – they're not breaking the skin of the movie because they're so clearly purposeful uh, to the point where kind of history and the present eventually collide to a point. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's a movie that's kind of like a political cartoon in film form, but I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really entertaining and interesting and not – just something I was not expecting at all, so – Walker with Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. Yep. Walker, Texas Ranger. Sounds good. Oh, and so, Joe Strummer does the score, too. So, for all you Clash fans. Yeah. No, I Nobody likes that band. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, yeah. What, the only band that matters? So You mean the only band that family matters? <laughs> the Urkel band. <laughs> Urkel band. <laughs> the, Steve, the Steve Urkel band. Yeah. Stefan Urkel. When Stefan Urkel and, saxophone, Joe, I guess? and Joe Strummer had that band together. So, uh, thanks for listening. And I think it brings done? another podcast to a close. Man, I'm, I'm hey, so yeah. proud of us that Food Fight didn't break us. Sure. We kept it pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. I mean, I don't I don't know for sure that it doesn't break. I feel like... We should it, be talking about this after the show. If a week goes by... <laughs> 
where we like one of us doesn't go mad and start killing people, then we'll know that we conquered food fight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So start bleeding from the eyeballs. If, if in seven days we're not all dead, yeah. then we conquered food fight. Yeah, yeah. Scan the AP wires, guys. Make sure that we uh, we got through it okay. So, but until then, I've been Dan McCoy. That's that's your cue. Okay, I'm um, still Stuart Wellington, and Thanks. I will always be Elliot Kalen, no matter how hard I try. Good night, everyone. See ya. Would wanna be ya. <laughs> <laughs>Oh, can you feel the flop uh, baby growing yeah. there? It's oh, kicking. Pregnant. The baby's kicking inside Dan's belly. Oh, God. Look, I've just had a few beers. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> Yet. We'll see how this episode goes. High five. High five. Take off our flop condoms. <laughs> condoms are already flop. Flop house condoms. <laughs> Rust broing? <laughs> Snicket. <laughs> what? What is that? That's the sound of your penis coming condom. out of your pants. Oh, that's Wolverine's penis? <laughs> yeah.